Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Hits Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to be joined by two great uh, LPGA professionals uh, here on the Coach's Corner panel. I'll introduce both of them in just a moment. And a little bit later on, something unusual I haven't done in a while. I actually have three guests uh, coming on uh, the second half of the show, uh, all from uh, sort of through the same network, if you will. Uh, we're going to be joined by Brian Shell. He's the Vice President of Education for the Western Golf Association and the Evans Scholar Foundation. And then two of the recipients of the uh, Evans Scholarship uh, uh, Program, if you will, uh, participants rather, uh, Ann Dow Doe from Kansas City and Eric Hanberg from Chicago, Illinois is going to be joining. And they're also uh, the, uh, were honored this year as the 2022 Evans Scholars of the Year. Uh, and as I said, they were part of the uh, Evans Scholars Program. So we're going to talk to the two of them and find out um, what it was about the program that they liked and, and obviously how it benefited them uh, in their educational endeavors as well as they continue on their journey in life. So we're going to be joined by all three. And, of course, Brian is the VP of Education for the Western Golf Association and the Evans Scholar uh, Foundation. So he's going to talk about really some opportunities for some youngsters out there that want to get into the program and uh, partic- uh, particularly uh, not just to learn how to, to caddy, obviously, uh, but also uh, maybe uh, apply uh, for the Evans uh, Scholars. Uh, so we'll see how that works out as well and get a little bit more background information. But uh, as I mentioned, first we're going to start off with Coach's Corner. And first up is uh, Sue Weger. She is a number one best-selling international author as well as a motivational speaker and peak performance coach. Uh, she's a 24-year-plus uh, LPGA Class A uh, golf professional and the owner of Uyghur Consulting LLC. Also on the panel tonight is Jamie Leno Zimron. She's also a Class A LPGA teacher professional as well as a sixth degree Aikido black belt. Uh, she's also a somatic uh, psychologist, a corporate speaker, and mind body fitness trainer. And she graduated from Stanford University Phi Beta Kappa. Uh, she's also the creator of Ki Golf the Centered Way. So, ladies, once again, welcome back to Coach's Corner here on Golf Talk Live. Thank you, Ted. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, thank you, Ted. Well, thank I, you, Sue. It's always good to be together. Well, I appreciate both of you coming on and and uh, being part of uh, the discussion. It's always uh, fun to have the two of you on. And um, so, as I mentioned to you both off air, I thought what we would do, you know, instead of the sort of the usual golf uh, stuff that we try to talk about here on the show, which is certainly uh, advantageous and is going to help some golfers out there. Uh, but there's a lot also that fall into this category as well, a lot of business types, executives, 
and just regular folks that maybe want to somehow incorporate golf uh, into their business life. Uh, many have discovered uh, for some time that uh, golf can be a great business tool and for a variety of reasons, uh, and some may not yet fully understand the benefits of adding that to their business repertoire. Um, a lot are starting to learn that now, especially younger uh, uh, inductees into the golf uh, world, if you will. They're starting to recognize that. But uh, even some that have been playing for a number of years um, or been in business for a number of years may not fully understand. So I thought I'd get you two, since I know you are very well entrenched into this uh, topic, that I would get uh, sort of uh, your thoughts on this uh, as we uh, continue through our discussion. So first off, um, Sue, I'm going to go start in the order that uh, I introduced you. So just give me a general idea uh, from your perspective why you feel, um, number one, let's do it this way, why do you feel golf has been such a successful vessel, if you will, for so many business types? Let's sort of go from the past, and we'll work with Jamie. We'll get into sort of the future a little bit. But in your opinion, why do you think golf has been such a successful tool for many business types out there? Well, in regards to um, business, it's all about building relationships. And what a better way to build a relationship when you go out and play golf for four hours, whether or not it's even two hours. So if you go out and play nine holes, you're building relationships with people. And I think that's, um, I mean, I know a lot of, uh, of business associates that actually do interviews on the golf course. And mm-hmm. why? Because you get to see the real person. <laughs> Right. You get to see them them, um, challenge themselves whether or not, and and they might not even be a golfer, but I know Mm -hmm. in regards to, you know, personality types, it's a great way to understand the person who they are and how they're going to deal with adversity. Um, And, you know, I'm just going to say this in in a nice way, but honesty as well, because a lot of Mm -hmm. people... When they go when they go play golf, um, I'm going to say some people cheat, <laughs> yeah. and some and some people aren't and some people aren't honest. And I think it's a great way to have business owners understand who they're um, you know trying to bring on board um, in regards to if they're looking for if they're looking for employees or if they're looking for a partner if they're looking for you know a business partner um, in in that sense. But I think you know, on the golf course, you end up, you find out who that person really is, and then you look at it and like, wow, do I really want to hire this person? Um, mm-hmm. You know, based on how they um, portrayed themselves on the golf course. So I think it's it's a, a great way to, um, like I said, interview people and get to know people and find out who they really are as as a person. First of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, as regards to you know, do you want them? Do you want that type of person in your business? And I think that's a great way to do it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a, a great opportunity to um, develop new potential business clients, um, and also as an opportunity to, uh, I guess, for lack of better words, vet potential employees as well, uh, getting to know them mm-hmm. over a period of time. I mean. You know, for, from a client's perspective, I mean, it's very difficult sometimes to gather enough information in a, you know, 10 or 15 minute phone call, a prospective a phone call, whereas if you invite them out to a, a golf course and now you've got them for maybe a minimum of two hours, uh, certainly some of the points. And we're going to get into some of those specific points a little bit more. Jimmy, I want to kind of approach this um, from a slightly different um, perspective in your case. 
um, certainly touching on some of the things that, that uh, Sue just mentioned. Let's go from the employee first and then obviously from prospective clients and things like that. Um, there's a couple of things um, that we can do. As she mentioned, you know, certainly a way of, of vetting out potential uh, employees. But it can also be used as an opportunity, um, especially through events, uh, maybe a corporate outing, uh, whatnot, as a team building opportunity as well. Maybe you could touch on that and then we'll switch over to uh, maybe some other things that we can learn uh, bringing potential clients uh, to the golf course. Yeah, well, Sue touched on a lot of really, really great points that, um, you know, I hope we'll get a chance to explore a little bit more. Um, so, you know, from the perspective of, in a sense, uh, interviewing or vetting um, employees, it works the other direction as well. You're finding mm -hmm. out if this is a, for example, is this a person you want to work for? Um, right. I always say, you know, we find out who we want to work with by playing with them, <laughs> playing golf with them, and uh, the their personality types, how, as Sue mentioned, how they deal with adversity, how they deal with, um, uh, how they communicate, I mean, just basics, um, how they make you feel, um, are, and are you enjoying this person's company? Do you feel like you could get along, you could work together? Do you respect them? Do you like them? And I think that that is just as important from the employee's point of view. Um, mm -hmm. Golf business golf provides a lot of opportunities for networking, for meeting other people. And this is one of the really important parts of it, I think. And employers a lot of times will look to, uh, in, amongst their employees and their managers, who plays golf and uh, who plays golf. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this is where it's important for everybody to have at least a decent golf game, um, to know how to conduct themselves on the golf course, and also just to play well enough. So um, as an employee, sometimes that can help you even get hired. Um, it can get, yes. help you get chosen for a wonderful day off, right? Um, a paid mm -hmm. day where you get to go play golf. Right. Um, and you are meeting people, you're making important business connections, you're representing in um, many ways the, the company that you're working for. Um, and so, you know, it's a real opportunity to shine uh, as an employee, I would say, mm -hmm. and also to and, and what get about out the, of the office. Oh, go ahead. Right, and, and I was just going to add. No, I was just going to add real quick. And and what about the team building opportunities as well? I mean, a lot of times, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, you, you know, if you've got a lot of uh, folks that are in uh, an office environment, but they they don't play a lot of golf, it'd be very unfair to do a, a you know a stroke play or something. But you could certainly a best ball or, or whatever format you want that makes it fair for everybody gets to, to. But that's a great team building opportunity, I think, for an employer as well, right? Well, that's one of the things that's so wonderful is that uh, typically, you know, networking opportunities are in charity golf events. And, of course, for companies to be participating in their community in a charitable way is very important. And most of those tournaments are played as pro-ams, uh, or right. not necessarily pro-am, but, you know, uh, as, as a team. So they're played as scrambles, which is great. It takes the pressure off of you. You can contribute even if you all you can do is putt or hit a, a short mm -hmm. shot. That's great. Everybody kind of has a place. And so there's definitely that camaraderie, that playing as a team and having fun and how'd you do. And, you know, it doesn't even matter if you, I mean, if you win, that's great. Or, uh, but even if you don't, just that you had all of that experience together, it's very bonding experience, as we know, um, and playing as a team in a scramble. So that's a wonderful thing. And, it, you know, it's just a lot of fun as well. 
so definitely the team building aspect. Um, I've worked with uh, IMAP, my team. I don't know if you've heard of them, but IMAP, my team is IMAP mm-hmm. is a particular, um, you know, kind of um, uh, personality typing and for you know getting along in business. But IMAP has developed IMAP My Golf, which is really cool. Um, so you know, you're kind of looking at um, characteristics and things, how that comes through, you know, in the golf game. And we've designed on-course experiences to. Uh, specifically build the, uh, as team-building experiences. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. different kinds of challenges and the roles that you assume and uh, communication patterns. And we even are, you know, like you, you can make money. You have to decide. Uh, you you're start out. Everybody starts out. I think we start with $100,000. And how much money do you end up with at the end? And did you wager right. it on, uh, you know, can you make this shot? Um, uh, who are you going to choose to make that shot? How do you make those decisions? How do you communicate to make a decision on who's going to hit that shot? Um, you know, how do you decide, should we wager 10 grand here? Um, what should we do? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of really interesting ways to play with um, actual um, investment and business, the decision-making in, um, mm-hmm. in certain experiences that we set up on the golf course that are just, you know, really, really fun. So, yeah, there's just there's so many ways to use, utilize golf in, uh, you know, in the business realm, and those are just some, you know, creative ways. But lots of opportunities as a, employees. And I think uh, one other quick thing I'll say is, um, you know, I, I went to Stanford quite a few years ago and uh, played a little bit on a Stanford team. This was like way kind of in the early days, yeah. And we <laughs> do occasionally have, have Stanford golf reunions. So I've had opportunities to meet you know, some of the women who have come, come through through the years. And it was so fascinating to hear women in their 30s, 40s, 50s who played on the golf team and what a difference it made to them mm-hmm. in their careers to have played at Stanford, to have a good enough golf game to play on the golf team, to have been a Stanford player. You don't necessarily have to be an LPGA or former tour player, just that you played right. uh, college golf on your golf team it makes a tremendous difference in the opportunities that uh that people have had and it was really just wonderful i one of the things i love is to kind of interview people uh some of the women when we have these these reunions about this specific topic yeah and and it 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 goes to the earlier point it it does open so many doors i can remember uh, a few guests over the years especially female guests that i've had on on this program and and, uh, the other program with cindy where you know they were sort of the odd person out in the office you know the water cooler conversation on monday a lot of times the you know the 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 men would be talking about their weekend golf uh you know outings with friends and sometimes clients and they felt very left out because it was not something that they earlier uh, had gravitated to. And I can remember one young lady particularly came on the show, and of course now she has her own golf business, not as a teaching professional, but for business golf. And, you know, she went to one of them one day and just said, you know, how do I, you know, what do I need to do to make golf part of my life? And he was very, you know, accommodating and said, you know what, you really should learn. And you don't have to be a great player. Obviously you want to strive, to, as we all do. Uh, to become a little bit better, but um, you know, he just said it, it really does help to open doors. And you know, at that particular time, she worked for a major bank uh, network here in the United States, and it, it just was amazing the doors that it opened and the opportunities it created. And the same thing, you know, to go to your point, Jamie, you know, playing on the golf team, whether you have aspirations of moving, 
you know, into tour life or not is relevant. Um, you know, it's, it's a great thing to uh, to have if that's your your choice. But just the the fact that you're being introduced to a game at a, a little bit higher level than normal um, and playing as part of a team as well, and again building that team uh, building efforts uh, can serve you very very well in the corporate role, uh, world. Excuse me, Sue. I want to come to you next on this. Um, sorry. Yeah. One. Yeah. Go ahead, real quick. Before we move on from that, is it is amazing how impressive you can be and how much respect you can gain just from having mm-hmm. a good golf swing and being able to hit a ball mm-hmm. decently. And it's even uh, more so, I would say, for women um, because women right. aren't expected to have a good golf swing in a good golf game and hit, you know, hit a drive out there a couple hundred yards or more. So if you can do that, it's just instant credibility and instant respect. Oh, for sure. For sure, and that's why you see so many uh, higher-level executives, and I'm talking women now, who have really gravitated to working hard on their game, working with top-level you know, level instructors and that, because for that very reason, they want to get, uh, again, I'm not saying they're trying to get out on tour, but they want to have um, a comparable game when they get out there with their corporate clients and, and other peers as well. They want to feel confident that, hey, they can hold their own. And uh, let me tell you, I've witnessed some of them, and, and let me tell you, they can hold their own. Um, but thank you for, for uh, pointing that out. You're, you're exactly right. Uh, Sue, I want to talk to you a little bit, uh, uh, talking about from the perspective of, uh, you know, a, a company and potential prospects. Um, you know, as we pointed out earlier, this is an opportunity really to kind of see whether or not, one, whether you want to do business with, with this uh, potential prospect, and also allows them an opportunity whether or not they actually want to do business with you. Um, you pointed out some things, you know, cheating is one. I mean, nobody wants to do business with somebody that's that's cheating out in the golf course. If they can do that there, then who's to say they're not going to be uh, doing that with me? But what are some do's and don'ts uh, from both spot, sides? What are some do's as, as a, a business? I'm inviting you as a client um, that I want to make sure that I'm doing uh, to make it a, a, a more uh, comfortable opportunity for you, and what are some definite don'ts, in your opinion, as an, as a, a, a corporate uh, uh, a corporate executive inviting a potential client? And then maybe, uh, Jamie, what I'll do is I'll get you to flip the other way around. Uh, what you know, as a client, what should you be looking for? What should you be doing? How should you handle yourself? That sort of thing. So, Sue, I'm going to get you to do it from the from the corporate executive side some do's and don'ts um, when you're inviting guests? Yeah, I think the first thing is, is um, you know, being honest, uh, being honest with them and letting them know, okay, here's, here's an opportunity, number one, um, that we want to create, and we want that person to, you know, feel comfortable coming on board in regards to inviting them to, to come out and play in a scramble, for example, um, and I think that's one of the most important things is, you know, just to make sure that they understand, okay, this is what, this is what is actually what's going to happen. Um, let, keep the, keep the information flowing in the sense that, okay, we're going to play, a, whether or not it's, it, it's a scramble or if it's a, um, you know, stroke play, um, type of an event. Um, and in regards to the, the, um, the don'ts, if you may, um, you know, I would just be very careful in understanding, you know, who that person is um, as a person um, and then asking them, um, for example, as, okay, do you play golf 
um, if you if you don't play golf, that's okay. It's a scramble event, and you know it's it's still going to be okay in regards to inviting them anyway. Um, and I think mm-hmm. in the other the other don't is you know just uh, be completely honest with them and saying you know this is this is the type of event we're going to have. Um, make sure that you're very clear that um, you're going to have other business. Um, you might have other business clients that are going to be there, you know, on, at that particular event, um, and and you want to be, you know, very careful in regards to um, understanding, you know, their own golf game. And mm-hmm. I, like I said, just be I'd be I'd be completely honest with them and um, you know let them let them be them let them be themselves. That's for sure. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I would just educate them, and that's one of the things that, in regards to the dues, is educate them on exactly what you know what's going to happen on that particular event, um, and you know, and again, be honest with them. Yeah, I think, and I'm just going to throw a few extras in here as well. I mean, obviously, uh, I think that you want to make the client as comfortable as possible. Um, you know, inviting them to that. Uh, something that I've always done too in the past is as opposed to inviting them initially to um, just a straight up, you know, let's go out and play golf. I mean, depending on their level, if they're, if they're a little bit more seasoned golfer themselves, that may be right up their alley. If they're a little bit new to the game and really not confident, um, another alternative is to create a, uh, an event such as uh, a, um, uh, you know, maybe getting the local pro to put on an exhibition and say, okay, you know what, mm-hmm. um, we all struggle with, with uh, you know, the bunkers and that. Maybe get the, you know, work something out. Obviously, there's costs involved, but work out and, and invite, uh, you know, three, four, five prospects, whatever it may be, and say, you know, so-and-so is going to put on a clinic and he's going to talk about bunkers or whatever, you know, might be uh, an area or a nemesis for a mm-hmm. lot of, uh, you know, golfers out there. That's some ways, too, to break the ice because it's not really putting them on the spot uh, and, and, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it's a participating thing, then certainly they can all do that. But some people may not initially, and especially going back to Jamie's point, uh, you know, particularly with a lot of women still fairly new to the corporate world, some of them may not be comfortable, uh, again, unless they've been playing for a little a bit of time, may not be comfortable being put in that position. They're worried about, you know, uh, embarrassing themselves perhaps or whatnot. So there are some things mm-hmm. as well. Uh, another thing, too, is, is you've got to remember um, – and we're going to get into some of this a little bit later, but uh, you want to obviously practice proper etiquette, and uh, you want to be mindful of that. Um, you also mm-hmm. need to do things, uh, being courteous, being on time, and and uh, and that, and making a point of of uh, again making them feel comfortable. Um, one thing I always guard against, especially for first time, uh, you know, we all like to have a, a little refreshment. I think you need to keep it light. If you don't want to have you know at the turn or something, you know, offer a refreshment. Um, the last thing you want to do, and I see this a lot of times, especially with some of the younger golfers coming out, younger executives, you know, let's have a couple of beers and whatever. The next thing you know, the two of them are barely able to drive the golf cart. Um, that's a no-no. And, and I know it seems very simple, but, uh, again, you're representing your organization or your own business, and you want to make sure that you, you have some etiquette while you're out there. And, uh, and, and I think one more thing I want to add, and then, Jamie, I'm going to get you to sort of reverse the course here a little bit, is unless you know this particular individual, and I'm talking about the potential customers and things very, very well, uh, and have an already established rapport, 
Um, again, the idea is not to go out there and beat their brains out in the golf course. So, you know, don't be too competitive uh, unless it's been established up front to, hey, let's, you know, do a little thing. But I don't recommend that. I think let's just go out, let's have fun. Uh, you know, if they happen to hit a bad shot or something like that and you want to give them a mulligan, you know, certainly that's uh, appropriate. But uh, don't be overly competitive. The, the idea is obviously to have fun. And, and, Jamie, I want to get you to look at it from a, a client's perspective. You know, you're coming, you, you touched on a few points earlier, but maybe you could expand a little bit. If you're a client coming and you've been invited to, um, you know, what do you, what are your expectations? Uh, you know, is it okay for you to make your expectations known up front? Um, and if you're somebody that's maybe not confident uh, with your game, do you want to sort of emphasize? Give us an idea from a client's perspective. If somebody invited you to a golf outing and you weren't who you were, um, what would you want to know coming into it, and how would you want things to sort of move along? Give us your thoughts. Well, I think that it's very important that everybody is uh, and that you as a client or a customer or whatever that you really stay focused on the the real purpose and goal of getting together and playing golf uh, which mm-hmm. is to build rapport and to build relationship um yep. as we mentioned in the beginning um that's really what you're there to do it's not necessarily to you know shoot the best score or you know beat somebody or whatever um right. but so it's like if you keep that in mind and you keep in mind the fact that you are making an impression um, in, in at every moment, right? Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's helpful to kind of stay aware of that. So um, I've actually just pulled up, a pres- I do a lot of presentations on uh, business golf, so I just pulled up one of them in terms of uh, some do's of business golf. Um, you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, it's so important to be on time, to dress appropriately, um, definitely want to be friendly and be honest is so important, the integrity factor. Um, and you want to kind of be generous. I think you were talking about that, pa- generous and patient, understanding. You need to be real. Mm-hmm. You need to be considerate and, um, and courteous. All of these things are, are so important because that's part of the impression you're making. It's part of having a good relationship, a good playing relationship on the golf course, which translates into a good working relationship. So, you know, it's kind of keeping those things in mind. We can get so into the golf itself. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, golf is golf is the, it's the vehicle, right? It's not necessarily the thing itself, which we're more used to when we go out and play golf. But in business golf, mm-hmm. again, the real purpose is that relationship and rapport building. Um, so on the other side, you know, what are some don'ts? Those were some do's. But, you know, don'ts are, you know, don't be late. Uh, don't display poor etiquette. Um, and pace of play is really important. You don't want to be causing mm-hmm. pace of play. You don't, you don't want uh, a don't is to uh, not obviously cheat or lie to uh, uh, make it a bad time. You know that your emotional right. reactions to, <laughs> to to your play. Um, you have to kind of keep that in check. You know another thing very important I think is to not speak poorly of others. And yes. you know to kind of watch the. Um, the level of uh, drinking and swearing and stuff like that. Um, and <laughs> yeah. basically kind of, and you don't want to be too pushy, too controlling. You don't want to be too apologetic. You don't want to be too boastful. You don't want it to be all about me. You want, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think we just really, th- these are skills for life and they're certainly mm-hmm. skills for work. And this is why golf is such a practice for life. And when, now when we're talking about business golf, business is life, right? Our, our work life. And so we're really 
paying attention to and practicing all of the skills to just be a good person. And um, right. that's really what what's so important is what kind of person are you when you're uh, in the work environment, when you're a coworker or a boss or a manager or an employee, um, and that this is what's coming through in golf. It's you know how you play, it's how you work, and all of that is who you are. Um, Annika Sorenstam uh, made a great quote that I always share, and she said, we are not, she said, we are not uh, uh, the golfers who happen, wait, we are not human beings who happen to be, wait, let's go, let me be golfers, we are, yeah, we are not golfers who happen to be human beings, we're human beings who happen to be golfers. And right. that achieving her goal of, of becoming number one was about improving as a person. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And whatever role we play, whether it's golfer or coworker or mom or dad or partner, it's the human being that we are. And that's what we're always cultivating. And so that's what we're really bringing to the business golf game. Yeah, well said. And you're exactly right. We're human beings first who just happen to, you know, play a game that we love. Or in our case, we all, you know, teach the game and, and uh, try to help others get get better at their uh, abilities to uh, navigate around the golf course. And it is, I've always said this, and you're exactly right, Jamie, and I'm sure uh, Sue would agree as well, is it does mimic life in so many ways. So, you know, the the better that we develop our life skills, um, that's going to help us and serve us well on the golf course and vice versa. If you, you know, if you handle yourself in a a professional way, and I don't mean professional as a tour player, I'm just saying professional and with good etiquette and so forth, uh, on the golf course, that's going to feed out into your personal life as well. And, and Sue, something else too that I think that we need to point out: um, just because we're meeting with a uh, prospective client or uh, uh, you know a possible customer, I think one of the the don'ts I want to throw in here is I think it's especially if this is the first meeting. Now, if we've gotten together a couple times, that's different. Uh, but initially, the first interaction on the golf course really should not be about, you know, let's make a deal, let's, you know, get into all the, the strong business talk and things like that. Um, certainly if the client comes out and says, you know, hey, I want to, I think this is an opportunity to certainly get to know them as an individual, find out what their likes, dislikes are, what they, you know, enjoy doing, what brought them to, to, to play golf if they've been playing for a little while, that sort of thing. More or less just, you know, a personal chit-chat and not necessarily getting into the nuts and bolts, unless it's something that's been agreed upon ahead of time. Because I think what I see a lot of times, and, and I'm sure you'd agree with a lot of business types, is they get in there and you know by about the third hole, you know they're looking at their watch. Okay, well let's you know I'm I'm selling office automation here. Let me start working on closing the deal. That's not going to serve them well in most cases. Would you agree? And, and give me your thoughts here. Yeah, I would totally agree. It's like, uh, you know, just like any type of working relationship, it's about the relationship. So every, like Jamie says, we're all human beings. So what kind of relationship do you want to build with that person? And, and that's what's so great about golf. Like I said before, it's like you're out there for two hours or you're out there for four hours. It doesn't matter. But, you know, you are trying to build relationships with people, um, and and I think that's what's kind of hard with a lot of people, that there's an assumption that, you know, if somebody from a business relationship, you know, offers you an uh, opportunity to come play in a, let's say, like a charity event or whatever, a lot of people just kind of get a little bit nervous and don't show up as themselves. And I think that's yes. a shame because I think um, that's the whole 
point is, you know, just be yourself. And I think that's where um, people have assumptions like, well, I'm supposed to be this person or I'm supposed to be doing this or I'm supposed to be doing that. I'm like, no, don't need to be doing any of that supposed to be-ism. <laughs> just be yourself right. and um, <laughs> and just and just be yourself and enjoy the time that and the opportunity. And I think that's one of the things is, is like be grateful for the opportunity that you're actually there, um, on, you know, on a golf course and um, you, you know you're you're um, have a potential um, you know opportunity with a with a business partner or a, another or like I said with an interview or whatever it may be. But I think it's just important to be to be yourself. And I think sometimes people are afraid to be themselves in different situations. And I think that's just you know a little bit sad. But um, mm-hmm. I just think that there's there's a lot of pressure on people to um, again perform. And it's not about performing, it's just being, you know, being, being the human being that you are. And, and as we know, and I, I know Jamie will, would agree with this, is if you are who you are, your skills show up. And, but if you yeah. try to be somebody else, your, shows, your skills don't show up. And, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle, you know, both on and off the golf course um, in different situations. And that's just my opinion. No, I think you're exactly right. Jamie, I'm going to come to you in a second. I think there's two things that happen with a lot of people, and I'll I'll be the first to admit uh, as a male, I think this is a a more male problem, but we tend to have uh, an issue with sticking one foot forward and the other one in our mouth. Um, You know, I I think that – and it's true. I mean, you you know – listen, you both know I'm right. I think that a lot of men, uh, again – you know, develop an anxiety, they get out there and, you know, the bragging comes out and, and stuff like, well, I look at it this way is let the sticks do the talking. Um, you know, we're all going to hit some bad shots here and there, but, you know, if you come out and, well, you know, I shot a, a such and such at, at Pinehurst last week or, you know, two months ago when I was with my buddies and then all of a sudden you're struggling to break 100, um, you know, people can see that. They can see right through that. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier, the integrity um, you know, aspect of it is just be yourself. You just, you know, show up and, and you don't have to give a pile of excuses. Well, I don't really do this and, and make, you know, because that doesn't serve you well either. I just say, hey, you know what, I don't know what game I'm going to have today, but let's just, you know, go out and have a good time and have some fun and get to know one another. And I think that's something that um, from both sides, both the, the uh, company that's inviting and, and the one that's uh, coming as the pers- prospective client, I think that's the, the approach you need to do is just say, hey, you know what, uh, you know, I, I do play a lot and uh, have some good days, have some bad days. We'll see what day today is going to be. But most importantly, let's have some fun and, and get to know one another. And I think that's the approach you have to have um, from both sides. Um, Jamie, I want to – I touched on this a little while ago, and I, and I know that you do a lot of corporate clinics and things like that. What in your mind as, – and I'm going to approach this from the professional standpoint now. Um, as a, a golf professional, what for you makes a successful outing? And I don't mean necessarily playing golf, but maybe just a corporate outing. You're going to invite a group of people that you know, are going to walk through some different things. For you, from your perspective, what makes a successful corporate outing? I think that, again, the main purposes, keeping them in mind, and what they tend to be, I would say, are the relationship building. Uh, the team building aspect, the interaction, the getting to know each other, some bonding that can go on um, through, 
just through some, sometimes the humor, you know, the, mm-hmm. even the bad yep. shots you hit. Or, um, and again, if, if it's a scramble and there is some team dimension to it, um, the competition, the competitive part, keeping it fun. But people and business people and business leaders are competitive. So that's okay. Yes. You know, I mean, it could be cutting a tripping contest. It can be, you know, this hole or that hole, uh, these two holes. It, um, <clears throat> or like I was saying, we have built in some uh, money games in a sense. So it's like monopoly money games, but, you know, still. Right. Um, and, and, and so, you know, to make it fun. And then there's uh, joking and ribbing and all of that. But that's all bonding, right? Um, so I think that, you know, if people have a good time, if people feel like they've gotten to know each other, if people feel like they've made some um, important networking connections, and it could be just one. You met one person today that could really make a bi- uh, difference in your business or who you want to turn to to talk about um, a particular issue that you have. Um, <clears throat> I think that, you know, that's a, a win, a business golf win, uh, I guess we call it. Um, so... I think that those things are really important. Um, you know, I've been speaking for Vistage International, um, the executive committee in Canada, um, for, mm-hmm. you know, the last, I don't know, dozen years or more. And along the way, Vistage has created some different um, interest networking groups, and one of them was the Golf Network. So I was part of the original creators of the Golf Network probably six, seven, eight years ago. And mm-hmm. um, and it's going it's going strong, and this has just gotten even more involved with golf uh, because golf is truly the business sport. And one of the things that I'm, I love, we have a, a actual menu item on the website, and it says uh, on, the, on the golf network, and it's called "Want to Play," <laughs> and um, mm. which I love because it's just you know you want to play. And so what happens is because there are Vistage members and CEOs, executives. Um, you know, um, different levels of management, and people travel and they want to play, and so and maybe they have some reciprocal um, privileges, or people can write on there, "Hey, I'm going to be here or there around the country, and I I want to play," <laughs> um, and then people get together um, on the the commonality of their business role or their uh, particular industry and, and interest and also the fact that they play golf and those things in and of themselves put perfect strangers together and they're not perfect strangers at all right because they have these commonalities and then because they get to play golf together um, they get to connect and have really valuable conversations make some valuable connections and from there like we were saying before you don't start out with what can you do for me for my business, right? <laughs> or let's make a deal. Right. That's not where you start out. But those things begin to emerge. Or people have an idea for you. Hey, I'm looking to hire so-and-so or I need to uh, – or I'm looking to get a position here or there. Do you know of anybody? Do you know of any company? Do you know uh, of someone you can refer me to? So, you know, referrals and people get uh, referrals out of the business golf experience. That's another win, I would say. So, you know, it's, it's all in this kind of vein. There are so many things that can come out of the connection of golf and playing golf together. And we haven't even talked about the 19th hole. We're just talking about the first nine or 18 right. holes. <laughs> There's 19th hole, right? Um, <laughs> that is also part of it. Right, exactly. No, you're exactly right. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing, too, is what, what's interesting is, you know, when you look at 
the industry as a whole, and I'm not talking about the just the golf industry from the teacher professionals to the tour players. I'm talking about the whole industry. Um, you know, golf outings, uh, tournaments, that sort of thing generates more revenue uh, and funds for um, nonprofit that than any other sport in the world. That includes basketball, baseball, um, golf outings. I mean, there's literally tens of thousands of golfing events, both small and large, uh, literally generating billions of dollars uh, for local charities and, and organizations that, you know, again, do other good things. So obviously somebody somewhere along the lines many, many moons ago saw this as being a vessel, as, as uh, was mentioned earlier, to really connect people um, and prepare them for various aspects of their life, not just their own personal lives, but obviously uh, their business life as well. And, and, and Sue, you know, I, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but from a golf course perspective, um, you know, encouraging, um, you know, not just the pro to get involved in that as well, as I mentioned, you know, maybe as a, as a golf professional, you want to reach out to various businesses and encourage them not just to come and, and bring their clients, uh, to, to play a one-on-one or, or a foursome or what have you, but encouraging and offering uh, specific business clinics so that they can bring potential customers or businesses just in general. For instance, uh, um, uh, uh, your local um, name escapes me, Chamber of Commerce is an example. You know, reaching out to the Chamber mm-hmm. of Commerce and saying, here's an opportunity. Maybe you could touch on some things. Is it, are these things that you're uh, doing or have done <laughs> Um, and or certainly recommend doing, you know, reaching out to some of your business networking groups in your area and encouraging them to come and, and you'll, let's say as an example, host, as I mentioned earlier, a bunker clinic uh, or something along that lines, and it gives them a chance to meet one another and then maybe, uh, you know, have a little uh, on the 19th hole if they're playing some, some golf, uh, have a chance to get together and, and, and whatnot. Give your thoughts on that. Yeah, like we said before, it's all about building relationships and it's about building community. And like I live in Payson, Arizona, and it's a, a very nice community, and the community really helps each other. And we probably have maybe 8 to 12 different um, golf outings that bring, you know, people together. And most of them, I would say out of that maybe 12, I'd say almost I'd say more than 90% of them are for charitable organizations here in the community. And I think that's where, again, you're building relationships with your community. Um, You're reaching out. You're helping each other. um, You know, and you're building, um, like I said, building community is the the big thing. And I think it's really important that, um, you know, golf courses and golf communities you know, reach out to their community community and, and tell them and ask them, you know, well, how can we help you, um, you know, build even, um, you know, build recognition for your um, particular, um, you know, association or your um, charitable, you know, organization. And I think that's what's so important. I mean, as a, I mean, I'm a breast cancer survivor, so we do something every mm-hmm. October um, right. every year up here. So, and that's what's really important is, is like you're you're trying to again it's all about building community and building relationships and the more that you can you know offer your community um 
it's all about building relationships and it's that's what it's all about and i think it's that's what's really important and and as you said you know golf is one of the most highest what i want to say revenue uh, generating um business for charitable organizations um and we do like i said here in Payson, we do that like oh my gosh like once a month at least <laughs> And it's it's so rewarding to give back um, and see those charitable organizations, you know, succeed in their in their in their philosophies and and in their revenue generating and giving back to the community. And it's very powerful. And um, you know, like I said, I'm very proud um, proud that we do that here too. So um, it's it's very like I said, it's very powerful. It's very very powerful. You know, it's it's interesting because, and the reason why I brought that up, well said, by the way, um, is I actually had a gentleman on uh, many, many years ago, uh, earlier in, in uh, Golf Talk Live's uh, days, and he actually had written a book, and I think at that time he said somewhere in excess of 10,000 events just in the United States, and it was generating, and again, I'm sure it's probably more, because um, that was close to a decade ago when I had him on, but it was well over 10,000 uh, um, you know, registered tournaments around the United States, and it was generating somewhere in the neighborhood of $1.5 uh, to $2 billion uh, in revenue for, um, again, a variety of different charities and that. And, you know, it, it just – and, again, no other industry, um, sport, especially in sports, uh, even comes close. It's not even a, uh, you know, it's not even close. It's not like you know they did 1.5 and so and so did 1.2. It's not even close. It's like many many yeah. times more, and it's just because it's the ease of being able to do that. Because number one, you can get a lot of people participating in these events. Um, you know, if you get a full uh, group, corporations can can get behind it, can bring sponsors and things like that. Which brings me to another point, Jamie. I'm going to get your thoughts on this. I think also from a business standpoint, uh, there's a lot of other opportunities. For instance, I'll give you a couple examples and maybe have some of your own. Um, what a great opportunity for a facility to reach out to the corporate community and say, you know what, we've got a group of, of high schoolers coming in. You know, We're doing some clinics in the local schools um, to get them, encourage them to sponsor uh, a number of clinics and maybe have a representative or two. And again, you're not going to come in and do a hard sell, but come in and talk about what that particular organization does in the community. A lot of people don't know what certain companies do. And I think it's an opportunity. And, you know, you don't have to get into I'm not talking huge donations, but, you know, maybe they could come in and, 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 and donate enough to cover a snack or a lunch or something like that for the group. Um, but it gives them an opportunity to intertwine with up-and-coming, uh, you know, students that are going to be at some point looking for work. And I think that's a great opportunity for corporations to get involved uh, on that level. Uh, give me your thoughts here, and, and are you doing things similar to that um, with with your uh, golf? Well, like it, as you say, I think that a lot of facilities are aware that hosting outings, hosting events, hosting charity, uh, community charity events, um, all, being a host to and a welcoming host to business golf is uh, it's a revenue source. And it's mm-hmm. also another way to be involved with the community. And, you know, since country clubs have kind of opened up in recent years, it's not – the whole scene isn't what it used to be, right? Um, right. And there's, there's a lot more openness, a lot more flow to varying facilities and courses. And um, so it's 
I think for facilities, there's a way to be on the map more and also, you know, hosting, uh, for example, like, you know, first tea events or whatever. Uh, just really right. being a, a good community um, participant is really important. The other thing, um, I'm not sure this is quite on topic, but I think it's really important that we are, realize the educational role that we're playing um, in hosting events and in connecting business and golf and life lessons because golf really has so many metaphors, shall we say, for business and life um, that right. go on. And so let me give you a few examples, like just even fairway. <laughs> I love the word fairway, mm -hmm. right? What's the fairway? Mm -hmm. What's the fairway to be? What's the fairway to play? What's the fairway to do business? Um, are we down the middle? Are we kind of off track? Are we in the rough? Are we in trouble? Are we on target? Mm -hmm. Um, are we getting out of bounds? You know, what are the penalties for our behavior um, right. and, or, or our decisions? Um, the whole idea of playing to your strengths and um, knowing, knowing your terrain, knowing your competition, uh, using the right tools uh, for the job, yeah, adjusting for conditions, not killing it, not beating yourself up or beating others up. Um, you know, are, are you a blamer or are you a team player? All these kinds of things. Um, you know, are we hitting the sweet spot, shall we say, um, in how we're conducting business and it could be in making a deal? Um, are we following through? <laughs> They're just so, mm -hmm. you know, just the actual words that we use in golf and around the golf are the exact concepts and actual words that I think um, are, they're metaphorical, but they are, very practical in how we conduct ourselves, conduct our business and our lives. And that's what golf gives us. So, you know, we can connect that for whether it's for junior players, for young people, whether that's for, um, you know, business people themselves. Um, I think that in hosting events, if we can keep that educational component in there or build it yes. in, I think we're really doing even more of a service. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it gives, uh, you know, again, well said, I think it gives future generations, too, an opportunity to really engage. You know, usually most people, I mean, other than, you know, going in and, uh, you know, obviously certain uh, uh, businesses, you know, of course, the younger generation might go in, you know, if it's a restaurant or something like that. But there's a lot of companies that people, uh, younger people, don't really know anything about. And I think it's a good, you know, in addition to the points that you made, obviously, Jamie, I think it's a, a good opportunity for, you know, again, something like a first tee or, or along those lines, for them an opportunity to really intertwine and, and intermingle with companies, uh, especially in their uh, neighborhoods, um, and say, okay, you know, what is it that they do? And, um, because I think sometimes there might be folks, uh, you know, growing up and saying, you know, that's something I might like to do. I like what they're doing. Uh, I like some of the things that, um, uh, you know, that they're standing for and that. And it gives them sort of a sneak peek and gives them an opportunity. So, you know, as they're continuing their regular education, uh, it might be, you know, something for them to, even if, and if they don't go and necessarily work for that specific company, um, it, at least it gives them an idea of what's around them besides just seeing a bunch of signs and billboards around town. They kind of get a feel as to what the actual um, you know, companies are, are doing and, and what roles they play in their community, you know, that sort of thing. And some are obviously local and some are, are maybe national or even international, depending on the size of the community. Um, Jamie, I'm going to let you start this one off. Uh, 
as opposed to going back over to Sue for a second, but you mentioned the 19th hole. Um, work us into this conversation here. Uh, let the folks know what you're referring to, the 19th hole. Well, the 19th hole is when, when we're <laughs> done playing golf, you know, people are usually kind of hungry, right? <laughs> they want to drink, want a, want a meal. Um, and so, you know, you just get a chance to sit down together, whether it's for a whole meal or to just, um, you know, ha- have a drink, have a soda, have a beer, whatever. But it's it's social time, basically. It's just a chance to sit down, hang out, and talk some more, um, depending what's going on on the golf course, depending on what your uh, work relationship is. Um, when you sit down, it could be just, you know, lighthearted. It could be the time when, oh, we're really going to get down to business <laughs> um, here. So that's mm-hmm. what the 19th hole is. It's just uh, sitting down together and being able to to talk some more, whatever that is. Um, again, whether it's lighthearted or whether it's really getting down to business. Yeah, and I think it's it's also an opportunity to, you know, because let's be honest, when you're out in the golf course, I don't care what level you are, people are focused on their game, you know, that. Uh, certainly they can have some light conversation, but you're not going to really uh, get into the nuts and bolts of things when you're out in the golf course, especially about business. You don't want to get too uh, hot and heavy as you were in, in business out in the golf course. In fact, I don't recommend it, uh, especially for the first outing. If you you know have a follow-up uh, get-together, that's a different story. But you know you want to keep things light and, and, uh, and fun and compliment one another when you each hit a, a good shot and, and be consoling when somebody hits a bad shot. Hey, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's move on to the next shot type of thing, and 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 sort of keep it light and airy. And I think when you have, um, you know, a situation where you're following up like that, if if the client has time and isn't in a rush to leave, and some people are depending on the circumstances, um, that's an opportunity at the 19th hole, as you said, to to get down and maybe uh, you know have a meal together or a snack or of some sort, or maybe even a drink or two. Uh, again, keeping it light and, and not. Uh, it, it, it yeah, could be scheduling your your business meeting. You know, let's get together at the office or um, you know mm-hmm. whatever it is. It could be taking next steps could emerge from that, and so you know that's important as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree, and, and that is the opportunity to do that, and that's where uh, you know that's when you you sort of follow up, and hopefully, if it's been an enjoyable day, and, and I don't necessarily mean that you've both played well or not. But hopefully the interaction has gone well. I mean, there's nothing worse than, you know, sort of crickets chirping, you know, as you roll into the 19th hole and, you know, the client's looking at his watch saying, I, I want to leave because they've had, a, a you know, a, a less than enjoyable experience. Uh, and that's why those points that we talked about earlier about the etiquette and about working together and, and um, you know, being upfront and honest and truthful, uh, you know, during your round and not, you know, not taking liberties that shouldn't be taken um, is going to leave a lasting impression. And believe me, when somebody's together with you for four hours, um, one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to be quick to you know, skip to the parking lot and get in their car and leave, uh, or they're going to want to continue that rapport, uh, hopefully, and, and then, as you said, work into scheduling some sort of a follow-up in that. And, and Sue, just to, to sort of put a bow on, on everything here as we get ready to wrap up, um, what are your final thoughts? Obviously, I think we covered a lot of things. Is there anything that we, you think that we may have missed in, in this uh, conversation? Again, I wanted to keep it light and sort of airy, if you will, a little bit, um, because, again, everybody is different. Uh, but what are your final thoughts here as we get ready to, to wrap up? Well, I think it's like we talked about it before. It's like, you know, business golf is all about building relationships and being who you are and, you know, um, just, you know, be like I said, be be yourself. And I think the a lot of people when they get into 
the word business, they think they're supposed to be somebody else. And I'm like, don't, you know, just be yourself. Um, you know, trust yourself over your golf swing, for example, you know, and, and, and enjoy the event. I know a lot of, a lot of people get really nervous about, oh my God, this is my first business golf outing, for example. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, just trust yourself and have fun and, you know, just, and like Jamie and we've all talked about today is just be yourself. And because if you're, if, if, if you show up, then number one, your golf swing will show up. Number two is people going to see you for you instead of somebody who they thought you were. Um, and that's what, you know, I, I always tell, you know, because I have some clients that are like, oh, I'm playing my first business, business golf outing. And then she, and they would say, what advice? What advice do you have for me? <laughs> and I would say, you know, be yourself. I said, you know, people yeah. want to know who you are um, first. They don't I – mean, because you're going to find out that nobody – not everybody hits a perfect shot, and that's okay. Mm. And, you know, just, again, be nice to yourself and to be nice with others. <clears throat> and, and, and that's why they call it playing golf rather than working golf. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think it goes to that old, that old saying, you know um, – you know that you obviously want to be yourself but um that first impressions are everything and the last thing you want to do is is to give a negative first impression you know phone calls are one thing you can say hey let's get together next saturday or or friday afternoon you know i've got the tea some tea time set up and let's get out and play and the conversation's over and you meet but then all of a sudden you're you know you're rolling out and uh you know maybe a, a different persona has shown up at the golf course and you know now this you know individual that you've connected with is thinking to themselves do i really want to spend the next four hours with this person you know they're just not who i thought they were and it's very difficult uh you know to, to get out of it so um I, I think we we covered a lot of things i think for the the main thing is again as as uh, you both pointed out golf is really an opportunity to develop and build relationships uh both uh, in, in our friend circle, but also in our business life as well. It's an opportunity, and it's available for everyone, male, female, it doesn't matter. It's an opportunity that I think people should at least explore and investigate. And I think if you're somebody that's maybe a little bit shy and, and uh, maybe isn't sure whether or not um, you've got the chops to get out there, then you might want to consider reaching out to your local golf professional and saying, hey, you know, I, I'm an executive here or, uh, you know, working for a company and, or I own my own business, and I'd really like to incorporate golf. A lot of my clients play in that. What can I do? How can I get my foot in the door? And a lot of times they'll help guide you. And it's very, very reasonable um, and doesn't really take as much time as you think to at least get started. So um, on that note, ladies, we're going to end the discussion. Uh, as always, I'm going to give both of you an opportunity to uh, just uh, share with the folks uh, that are listening uh, how they can best uh, reach out to you. Um, Sue, you go ahead, and then Jamie. Uh, yeah, my name is Sue Weger, and um, I'm an LPGA golf professional. Um, you can get my number one best-selling book. Uh, it's called Golf: The Last Six Inches: uh, How to Change Your Brain, Change Your Game on Amazon. And I always enjoy talking with Ted and Jamie. And um, oh, you can reach reach out to me at sueweger.golf.com. Other than that, um, thanks, Ted, and it's always an enjoyable. Um, conversation with you well i appreciate it thank you as well sue and jamie go ahead best way that the folks can reach out to you if they uh, want to get in touch um yeah 
Um, I, I just wanted to thank you both, and thank you, Ted, for bringing up this topic. I'm glad we had a chance to talk about it because um, it really is a passion of mine. Um, and mm-hmm. I have a program that I've been doing for years. It's called Where Business Meets the Green. Um, so you can hear the <laughs> the blend. And also for women, uh, Every Businesswoman Golf, which is to bring more diversity both into the business world and leadership world and uh, the golf world where we need, uh, you know, women's presence and power uh, so much more. So, and I've done some of those with Renee Powell, which has been terrific. Um, people can find me at um, my website, which is, you can get to the same place, kiigolf, K-I-A-I, golf.com or thecenteredway.com, thecenteredway.com, uh, and Jamie at kiigolf.com. Also, I always say this, but I like to talk, and I like to make that personal connection. So phone call works well. Leave a message or, you may, or send me a text, um, or I may pick up the phone, 760-492-GOLF, 4653-760-492-GOLF. And um, I really am, um, this is almost reinvigorated. I love this topic, and I, I think it's so important, <laughs> you know, go into kind of, kind of a litmus test of golf. All the things we've talked about, just go into them more deeply and prepare people well, um, in, both in golf and in, in business golf and the business world. I couldn't agree more. Ladies, again, thank you, for, <clears throat> excuse me, thank you very much for joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. As always, it's a pleasure, and I look forward to you uh, coming back again next month uh, when you're scheduled again on the show. Um, have a safe uh, and, and uh, successful weekend. Just enjoy yourselves and get out and play some golf. Thank you both, uh, Sue and Jamie, for joining me this evening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you. All right, that was Jamie Leno-Zimron and Sue Weger joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to introduce uh, tonight's very special guests. They're going to be joining me here on the show, and uh, we'll continue on. Here's a quick message from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back, and don't forget to subscribe to Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, again, at golftipsmag.com is the website. You can get our, either the print version, digital version, or both. Uh, for those of you who'd like to have both, uh, again, go to golftipsmag.com. All right, I'm very excited to have joining me this evening three uh, special guests. I'm going to introduce each of them here, and then I'll bring them on as a group, and then we'll begin uh, tonight's discussion here on the second half of the show. Uh, joining me is Brian Shell. He's the Vice President of Education uh, for the Western Golf Association and the Evans Scholars Foundation. Uh, he's been with over 17 years uh, on the education team as their vice president of education. Uh, Brian and his team oversee the over 1,000 scholars at 20 partner universities. Uh, Brian caddied at LaGrange Country Club and is a proud Evans Scholar alum. 
Uh, he graduated from Indiana uh, University in 1998 with a bachelor's degree in political science and history and received a master's of business administration from Loyola University Chicago's Quinlan School of Business. Um, also joining tonight is Ann Dow Do from Kansas City, uh, Kansas. Uh, she caddied at the Indian Hills Country Club in Mission Hills, Kansas, graduated from the University of Kansas with a degree in chemistry, uh, earning a 3.9 GPA. Uh, she served as uh, philanthropy chair and administrative vice president of the Kansas uh, Evans Scholars Chapter. And uh, she plans on returning uh, to the University of Kansas this fall to pursue a joint MBA MD. Uh, also joining uh, the uh, show tonight is Eric Hanberg. He is from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, he caddied as well at Evanston Golf Club, graduated from the University of Michigan with a degree in biology, health, and society, and earned a 3.8 GPA. Uh, he served as vice president of uh, New Scholars and president of the Michigan Evans Scholars Chapter, as well as the co-chair of the Evans Scholars National Committee. Uh, he was also, uh, as I understand, is going to be attending medical school and pursuing a career in orthopedic surgery. So uh, let me introduce them all, uh, bring them onto the show, and then we'll continue tonight's discussion. Welcome, everyone, to Golf Talk Live, and thank you for joining me this evening. Thanks so much, Ted. Thanks for having us on. Not a problem. Thank you, uh, uh, Eric, Anne, and Brian, for, for joining me on the show this night. Um, looking forward to it. So, Brian, I'm going to start with you, if you don't mind, and then I'll uh, get into the conversation with Anne uh, and Eric. Is that okay? That would be great. Okay, so what I thought I would get you to do is to just sort of give, for the folks that maybe are not familiar with the Western Golf Association and obviously uh, the Evans Scholar Foundation, maybe you could just kind of give us a, a general overview of, uh, of both and uh, what it sort of is about and, and how it works. So just to give us a general, and then I'm going to uh, have some specific questions for Ann and Eric. Yeah, Ted, first of all, thanks for having us on. We're, we're grateful for the time. Yeah, the, it's uh, the Western Golf Association, the Evans Scholars Foundation. I'll first start uh, with the foundation. The foundation's been around almost 100 years. Uh, we've been actually sending uh, qualified uh, young men and women uh, to college on full tuition and housing scholarships since 1930. So our first two Evans Scholars uh, started at Northwestern in 1930. And um, we nearly have 12,000 Evans Scholar alum, uh, men and women that graduated from universities across the country that um, are all former golf caddies, and we're very passionate about caddies. We think um, it is the best uh, first job for boys and girls out there, and um, we are uh, extremely fortunate. We have 1,100 Evans Scholars currently. So, again, that's 1,100 young men and women at 22 different universities. Uh, we're coast to coast. We go as far west as the University of Washington, and we actually just partnered with Rutgers University as our 22nd partner university where we have uh, Evans Scholars. So uh, the name of the foundation, Chick Evans, uh, its namesake, um, Chick Evans was a famed amateur golfer uh, last century, mm -hmm. and um, he uh, himself started as a young caddy at a young age. Most of the caddies now started about age 13 or 14, but when he started caddying, uh, he was eight. So you can only imagine what an eight-year-old boy with a, a set of golf clubs uh, and how clumsy that may look. But, um, you know, fast forward all those years and what he has done for boys and girls in the caddy yards and um, with regard to the Evans Scholars Program, 
uh, here sitting in 2020 with uh, nearly 12,000 alums and all of those students in school. It's, it's unbelievable. And certainly our connection with the Western Golf Association, which has been around uh, hosting tournaments, uh, most notably uh, you may have seen recently the BMW Championship, part of the PGA Tour. Yes. But uh, yeah. we, um, we uh, put on a number of events, Women's Western Amateur, Western AM, uh, Western Junior. So um, we have a whole portfolio of events that we uh, have operated and, and run and uh, going back to 19, 1899, and it's just incredible. So that, uh, that connectivity and, and that marriage between what we do with uh, young men and women and caddies and golf um, goes back a long time, and uh, we've been doing a pretty nice job of it. And uh, the three of us on the line here uh, are um, certainly um, uh, lucky enough to have been Evans, uh, Evans Scholars. Yeah, and, and uh, Eric and Ann, just hang tight with me for just one second. I just have one other question I, I want to ask Brian, and then, and then we'll uh, get to you guys. Um, so give us, a, a, Brian, if you wouldn't mind, sort of how it works. What, what are some of the requirements, if, if any, uh, to become uh, considered uh, to be part of the Evans uh, Scholars Program? Uh, is there certain requirements uh, academically and also um, participating, obviously, both of these uh, individuals uh, caddied, obviously, is that a requirement as well, or is that something that um, uh, is not necessarily a requirement, but obviously an additional um, perk, if you will, uh, as far as the, the program is concerned? So just give us an overview for somebody that's listening that maybe is not familiar um, with what the process is. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, we, we've really held true to um, who we are since we started uh, awarding scholarships, and um, there's really... There's four pieces to that, and the criteria that our committee will look at includes, as you mentioned, of course, caddying. So uh, mm-hmm. all of our Evans scholars have caddied at a Western Golf Association-sponsored club during their high school years. Um, most of our Evans scholars have caddied, uh, let's say, starting in eighth grade, freshman year, and there's a two-year minimum caddy requirement, but those that earn the Evans scholarship typically have more than that, so they're caddying all throughout high school. Uh, the other component is leadership. Uh, so we are looking for young men and women that are excellent leaders within their community, very active within their high school, uh, and great leaders in the caddy yard. You know, many of those, when they apply, they're, they're on our caddies. So they've been, uh, they've been mentors for the younger caddies. Um, so truly that leadership quality is, is certainly a, a big one that we look at. So you have the caddy component, the leadership we're also a financial need-based scholarship. So our, our men and women that have earned the Evans Scholarship, they come from very modest means. And um, so our, we're positioned really as a unique scholarship organization. Many are either merit-based or financial need-based. We're actually both. So um, these are hardworking young men and women um, that have willingly gotten up um, early in the summer while maybe their friends were sleeping in. Going, uh, going into the caddy yards and, uh, and working long hours, some of them taking that second loop. Um, and um, so that's, that's truly what we're looking at. So, again, financial need-based, the caddy component, great leaders, and then certainly academics. Uh, these, are, um, these are really driven young men and women. Uh, they've done well in the classroom. Uh, we will look at the overall strength of schedule, their, uh, the high school classes, uh, their college prep coursework, um, and, um, you know, the strength of schedule, how they performed in the high school, in the classroom throughout their years there. So those, four, those are the four pieces that we look at. That's the criteria that our committee will evaluate. Real quick, uh, quickly, Tad, I don't want to overtake this sure. conversation because I, sure. I really want nope. you to talk to these young men and women. But 
Um, we have over 900 applications nationally, and we've had a record number of applications uh, the last many years. And um, next year, we um, anticipate awarding over 320 new new Evans scholarships. So um, it's a pretty good hit rate. These are young men and women that are very highly qualified coming in. We wish we could take them all, but um, we're going to take the best uh, uh, 320-plus next year, and we're really, really thrilled about that. I don't blame you. Uh, and I can honestly say with a uh, 3.8 3.9 respectively GPAs, uh, those are numbers, by the way, guys, that I'm not really familiar with myself. I certainly wasn't as good in school. I wish I had it now, but um, definitely uh, some, something to be, be proud of. Um, I'm going to start with, uh, and, and let me just point out real quick for the audience, uh, both the individuals I'm going to talk to now, Anne and, and Eric, uh, were recently honored as the 2022 Evans Scholars of the Year, uh, which is, of course, the most prestigious title a student can earn within the uh, Evans Scholars program. So uh, congratulations to both of you. Um, so I'm going to ask this question of both of you, uh, and I want to curious to, to, to get your um, responses to this. So both of you, of course, caddied. Um, Eric, first, uh, the question I'm going to come to you with is, um, were you introduced to golf before becoming a part of this program? Uh, what was your earliest recollections? And uh, how did you find the caddy process for you? Was it uh, everything that you expected? Was it a little more challenging than what, uh, what you see sometimes on TV uh, when you see the professional caddies out there? Give us your thoughts. But uh, what was your first uh, sort of introduction to golf? Hey, Todd. Uh, thanks for having us on, first of all. We really appreciate and appreciate you spreading the name of our scholarship. And as Brian said, we have over 900 applicants coming in, but hopefully we can get that number rising higher and higher. Um, so in terms of caddying and the start for me, uh, it all came from my family, uh, specifically my older brothers and a couple uncles. So I actually had two uncles that were Evans Scholars at Northwestern. Um, and then two of my older brothers caddied, one of them earning the scholarship. So they uh, collectively all really introduced me to caddying. Um, so I knew every single day that I showed up, showed up at you know, 6 a.m., 5.30 a.m., that I am working toward a full-ride scholarship. It not only was right. it a great summer job to have, I would have spending money, you know, I could go out, go out to the movies with friends afterwards with that money I earned. But I knew that if this all paid off, the four years, five years of caddying that I did throughout high school could turn into a thirty to $60,000 a year scholarship throughout, um, throughout college. So that's really what, you know, kept me motivated. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not as easy as they make it look on uh, TV. Say <laughs> I'm a professional caddy at all. But, uh, you know, if, if Tiger ever wants me on his bag, I'm definitely open to it. So do I do I understand then uh, from what you said earlier that uh, your uncles basically helped you uh, through this process by getting to caddy for them? Is that the idea? Do I did I understand you correctly? No, sorry, my my uncles were caddies back in their back oh. in their day, back in high school. Gotcha. And then same with my older brothers. So my uh, my older brothers kind of introduced me to caddying. I would say, uh, you know, had me meet the caddy master and. Uh, you know, got me in and maybe helped me out a little bit for a few years training me and such. So, yeah, it's been a it's, – it's a family business over here. I got gotcha. you. And, and what about you? Did you um, – were you introduced to the game uh, prior to 
becoming involved as, as a caddy, obviously, and then ultimately uh, uh, going through the program uh, for the Evan Scholar. Uh, were you introduced to, to the game earlier as well? And, uh, and how did you find the caddying experience itself? Was it as challenging as you expected, or uh, was it a lot of things that you learned about your own uh, self uh, as you, as you uh, carried the bag for, for uh, a variety of different players? So give us your thoughts, if you wouldn't mind, uh, your earliest recollections of, of the game of golf um, as you see it, and uh, tell us a little bit about your experience at Indian Hills. Yeah, so yeah, I think my is a little different. Um, I grew up in an immigrant family. A lot of my relatives had hadn't played golf beforehand, but I know my parents, they worked their hardest to give me the best opportunity that they wish they had. And I think when I was young, uh, I struggled uh, physically with, like, soccer, basketball, a lot of sports that were very um, physical and so they, they introduced golf to me, and at first I wasn't that good at golf. However, I still stuck with it. And then later down the road, I joined the first tee, and from the first tee program, I was introduced to the caddy program. And mm-hmm. after um, caddying at Indian Hills Country Club, I, I realized like, after networking with so many people, it opened a lot of opportunity, opportunities for me, whether it's the scholarship or – I got to meet a lot of doctors, and since I'm interested in pursuing um, a field as a plastic surgeon or any surgical field, uh, I was like, knowing these people and hearing about uh, operations they've done, it was very inspiring to me in my path, and it was really nice to um, uh, conquer a lot of uh, obstacles I've had, because you know, being an Asian-American woman, there's definitely mm-hmm. situations where um, a lot of golfers will take our, my male counterparts because it just seems like they'll be the ones to keep up with her golfer as compared to, like, me. I'm a few paces behind, but, like, no matter what, I think over the years I've done my best to keep up and make an impression on the golfers and those at Indian Hills. Uh, very good, well said. And let me just say um, to, to add to, to that uh, last bit. And um, I have taught golf for uh, close to 30 years now, and I can honestly say it's I have more fun playing with the women than I ever did with the men. So um, that's something to keep in mind as you progress through. They were a lot more fun, more interesting, and and uh, I didn't have to worry about them bragging about a golf game that I knew they didn't have. So um, it was always much more fun. So you're in good company. Uh, uh, trust me on that. Um, but l- let me come back, and I want to come back with you, and then, Eric, I'm going to uh, circle back with you as well. Um, so what did you learn through the caddying program about yourself and about your own? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming, obviously, you play a, a little golf. I don't know how much, uh, how often you play. Um, but did you learn a lot of things about the game itself going through the caddying program? That was for Anne, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, so I coached in the first tee, and I think being able to see how some golfers play, I understand, like, what coaching techniques work and what doesn't, and it definitely helps to communicate uh, in a way that uh, it seems like when you play golf, it's like you know how to do something, but being able to explain it and have them apply mm-hmm. it when they're playing as they go that's a very important aspect 
of coaching, I would say. However, um, I have already known a lot about golf before caddying, and so it was just more of being able to give advice in a manner that people will understand and it wouldn't seem very uh, condescending in a way. Uh, other than that, yeah, I would just say, like, giving instruction the best way possible. Uh, again, well said. And, and, Eric, what about you? What What did you, obviously, you came, as you said, from a family that – uh, appears to be uh, well entrenched in, in golf, uh, and obviously uh, many who have caddied and gone through uh, uh, various programs. What did the program uh, provide for you? Uh, did it give you more insight to your own game? Did it give you uh, more insight to the game in general, that maybe things that you didn't know about uh, before you, you uh, became part of the, uh, the caddying program? Yeah, in terms of my uh, golf game, I, I can't say it's the best thing in the world, but um, I, I get out to play about, <laughs> you know, half a dozen to a dozen times a year. So I'm happy with that. And uh, caddying has definitely allowed me to uh, learn a lot of things, be able to pick up and kind of emulate um, what I see out there on the golf course. Uh, so um, I've taken a few of my friends out for the first time golfing and um I kind of just try and repeat what I hear out there and uh, just help them out in that way. But in terms of my actual golf game, not so great. In high school, I played sports just like Ann did and uh, didn't have too much time over the summers between caddying, football, and baseball. So, um, yeah, did, did, did what I can, though. Very good. And, and Ann, as you pointed out uh, a little bit earlier, you know, obviously this uh, – being part of the the Evans Scholars program obviously financially allowed you an opportunity to pursue uh, obviously furthering your education and and as you pointed out meet a lot of people through the caddying aspect of it um, in an area or a field that you're interested in obviously in the medical field which is something that you you've indicated you'd like to um, um, you know pursue uh, more diligently so as you look back to the ability to help you achieve where you are now, how important has the the uh, scholarship program been for you? What has it meant to you? I think for this uh, Evans scholarship, it's helped me become more of a leader that I wanted to be. I know I've had a lot of leadership opportunities in high school. However, I think now being a with a lot of peers and college students who have different goals in mind in terms of like careers. Um, it's more like managing people, working with people and collaborating for the benefit of our community in a sense. And I got to learn like a lot of diverse ideas and how things are, you know, there's definitely challenges with since a lot of my peers are college students and there's some parts of college lives that are different and, and, you know, the maturity level is a little different. However, it's like you've got to work with whoever wants to work with you and what you have so far. And I think um, the, being able to uh, come out of my show, I think that's one of the biggest part because I think for the longest time I struggled meeting people because I felt like, oh, maybe people wouldn't like me or there would be something that bothered right. them. And there's all this self-doubt that kept me from being very outgoing, but little did I know, like, I shouldn't be bogged down a little uh, by all of these uh, negative thoughts in my mind. And like I said, mm -hmm. it, it, 
it relates to golf in a sense. It's like in your game, you have all these negative thoughts and like, oh, I had a bad swing. Well, I swing badly the next hole and stuff like that. Like all of that, it's just mentality. And it's a matter of like how you're able to fight your own demons in a sense. I think that's excellent. And, and let me just say welcome to the club because that's what the rest of us struggle with as well in our own golf game. That's, <laughs> you know, one of the challenges of that – do you do you think and, and Eric, I'm going to come to you in just a second. But Anna, I, I just want one, one more follow up question. So, would it be safe to say then that this particular scholarship program, the Evans Scholars Program, has helped better prepare you um, for your life moving forward? It's given you obviously financial opportunity uh, to go through and, and get a, a, a world class education. But do you think it has helped you? And I think I, I know the answer, but help prepare you better. Uh, with some of the things that you just said uh, as you move forward through your life? Yeah, it's definitely opened a lot of opportunities for me, I think. It's a conversation starter. When I talk to the any interviewers about the Evans Scholarship and the opportunity I was given and all of the leadership roles <clears> I had, I think I really look back upon how I've tried my best to help uh, caddies who are inspiring to be Evans Scholars, you know, pursue the same journey I had as an urban scholar and um, hearing uh, stories as well it just shows to me that in a career aspect um, there are people who helped me uh, get to where I am today and and in that sense it's like being able to pass that opportunity down in that sense and uh, it's amazing because it's like you never know when you work in a field a lot of your um, goals in life is to help and by helping people there's different goals in that sense where it, it's either helping them in a health helping them get an education help cure their lives um and stuff like that so i think uh yeah it's it's really interesting to see how a lot of everything that i've done has groomed me into the person I am, and I would say that the opportunity is one that I will not stop talking about, and I think it's a, something that a lot of younger generations should uh, strive for. I, I couldn't agree more, and, and I can tell you from personal experience, Anne, when I was uh, even younger than you, um, you know, I was in my own shell, for lack of better words, and you know, was always um, somebody who who was very nervous and and uh, had my own personal challenges. And obviously, you know, I uh, took different steps in my life to be able to to overcome that. And you know, here now I am doing my my uh, radio broadcast. So obviously, I've come a long way as well. And I think you know the the program obviously that you went through has helped you to. Uh, navigate uh, some of those issues that you had earlier on. And Eric, what about you? What has the Evans Scholar, obviously besides the obvious financial assistance, what has the uh, Evans Scholars Program uh, meant to you? How has it helped prepare you uh, moving forward? What are some of the the benefits that you're seeing going through the program? What has it done for you personally in helping better prepare you for your future ahead? Yeah, I've had a lot of the uh, same things as Anne. So uh, Evans Scholarship has given my family three scholarships with my older brother, myself, and my little brother who's currently a sophomore at the University of Michigan now. And um, it has just built our characters in ways that you can't uh, fully comprehend while it's happening. So canning throughout um, 
high school years, I didn't even realize the life skills that I was building that I still use today, the interpersonal um, skills, the ability to wake up early, work hard, work long, you know, 12 hour days, six days a week, you know, that, that is something that not a lot of high schoolers uh, get to experience. And that's something that's definitely already helped uh, transition into my current job now um, and throughout uh, college because, you know, it it became easier to work hard in the study and to see um, what that can do uh, in terms of achieving a long-term goal like uh, Ketting and the Evans Scholarship was for me. And then going on as uh, Evans Scholar itself, um, I've always said this throughout college and now after college is that living in the Evans Scholar House on any of our respective universities, I truly believe it is the most diverse group, um, living group on the entire campus where there's not many uh, houses or uh, living spaces on individual campuses that are co-ed and as uh, multicultural as our Evans Scholar houses are. And that truly is something that cannot be understated, learning how to uh, talk to everybody, learning how to relate to everybody and uh, listen to different uh, life stories and upbringings. And um, as Ann said, I also want to be a doctor in the future. So that's something that I think that will really help in the future um, Mm -hmm. and really can't go understated. And as president, yeah, it was just, you don't realize, what any individual is going through based on their, you know, regular outside uh, actions and how they're carrying themselves. But uh, when you put yourself in a position of leadership amongst those um, who they, people have their own interpersonal problems. And uh, it was great to be able to be in a position to help people out every single day and um, taught me how to expect unexpected and be ready for anything. And, and you you serve uh, or have served uh, in your local chapter as well, correct? Yes, yes. I was uh, president of the Michigan House from my uh, junior to senior year. And and Anne, you were respectively in Kansas uh, uh, involved as a, a vice president uh, with the Kansas Evans Scholars Chapter as well, correct? Yes. So you, you obviously both um, – you know, saw the intrinsic value of not only going through the program, but obviously giving back by uh, participating in in the, your respective chapters. Um, Brian, I promise I haven't forgotten about you. I'm coming back to obviously uh, talk about something important with you, but I, I know you you want to uh, give the two of them an opportunity to speak, and and, and I wanted to uh, respect that. So, you know, as, as you touched on earlier, there are a lot of folks, uh, youngsters as we call them. Um, that uh, have gone through the program and are currently going through the programs. Um, But these two particular uh, individuals were recognized this year uh, as uh, Evans Scholars of the Year. What particular about these two stood out in your mind? Yeah, you know, they've kind of described their leadership and um, and what they've accomplished at their respective universities. It's truly heartwarming. It's, you know, in the position that I have, I – I see these young men and women, right, when they start out as freshmen mm-hmm. in college and then uh, until the time they graduate. So it's it's truly uh, wonderful for our team to see the growth. And, um, you know, they're great students coming in, um, but like any college student, there's there's a lot of development. It's interpersonal skills. 
Um, and I've seen uh, both of them grow, and it's been absolutely uh, terrific. Um, and these are leaders, um, Eric at Michigan mm-hmm. and Ann at Kansas, and they've done a great job. And, and I think we've described kind of the living environment, but I think it's worth repeating, like, these are co-ed living environments. It's unique in the sense that they're freshmen through seniors. It's men and women coming from mm-hmm. all different uh, high schools, caddy yards. So as Eric described, kind of that blend of uh, seven scholars from different parts of the country, and um, that does allow for a lot of unique experiences, and I think that's one of mm-hmm. the beauties of, of the Evan Scholars Program. And But I think specific to them both, um, we looked at those certainly um, – you know, the, the the academic superstars. I mean, their GPAs speak to, for themselves. But I think right. even deeper than that, <laughs> it's what they've done. Certainly better than what I accomplished in school. Yeah, um, I, can, but, I can concur. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what I really uh, enjoy, um, in addition to uh, seeing their accomplishments in the classroom, is really how they handle themselves within the co-ed and uh, living environment in the communities that we live in because it's hard work. It is really hard work to to manage these scholarship houses. And for the most part, they're, they're peer-led, right? They're leading their peers. Mm. Uh, we do have graduate resident advisors and we have faculty advisors that help, um, as, you know, really as some of those layers of leadership. But what I'm most um, proud of is that you know, how Eric and Ann, at such a young age, um, they led their chapters. And that's not easy. Um, mm-hmm. And so we certainly looked at their academics, but, um, you know, we looked at the at the leadership positions that they held. Um, the other thing, too, is um, how their peers, um, uh, you know, recommended them and how they viewed them and uh, how, um, you know, what they gave to the other scholars in the house. And certainly we'll um, work with our advisors for recommendations. Um, but we also look at what their plans are after graduation, and I think what you're seeing here is both of them, uh, you know, pursuing um, areas of interest in the medical community. That's fantastic, Eric, potentially at, uh, well, both at med school. And so we look at uh, some of their plans and ambitions uh, following um, graduation. So these are two outstanding uh, people that, that are on the on the call with us, and um, I think their positivity and their attitude, it's, it, it's amazing when you go to these houses um, you know, their leadership, you can feel it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the oftentimes the culture of the house really takes on and is kind of mirrored and shaped by the top leaders. And, and Anne and her work ethic and the can-do attitude and, and Eric, what you've done in the classroom. And, and I've seen it. I've seen it, Ted, in both situations. I've been at the scholarship houses a number of times. So I've seen their kind of leadership in action, and that's what I'm – so impressed about it at such a young age. So uh, two wonderful um, Evan Scholars, now alums, and uh, couldn't be uh, more proud of them. Yeah, and, and again, well said. You know, and I think also, too, Brian, what I hear from, from the two of them is obviously a sense of pride of, of accomplishment. I mean, obviously, it's always nice to you know, to overcome challenges in our life and, and to overcome things. Um, but the, there's a, a sense of, of, of pride and an eagerness to want to give back, not just within, uh, obviously, the, the Evans organization, but as they move forward in their lives. I mean, wanting to do something, wanting to, and being proud of, of who they are. And I, I think that's great. And that's something that, you know, sometimes we don't often see, especially in, uh, the younger generations going up. I mean, it, it can be life can be 
challenging. There's a lot of roadblocks and a lot of hurdles that we have to overcome. And one thing that I've always known being around the golf industry uh, for many, many years is that golf and life mimic one another uh, so closely. I mean, we get faced with challenges uh, on the golf course as we do in life, and how we handle those uh, and overcome those um, sometimes can become intertwined. Um, and, and I think that these two obviously have risen to the challenge, again, not just academically, but, uh, you know, it's not always easy. I can tell you from uh, Eric's firsthand experience, um, you know, being your age, having to get up at the crack of dawn to do something wasn't always easy, uh, especially in high school, you know, when you want to sleep in and, and, uh, and, and kind of go at a different pace. Um, so obviously it, it's taught you both uh, some discipline. Uh, Brian, I want to come back to you for one more follow-up, and then I'm going to have a, a question for the two of them as, uh, as we move along here. But um, for those that are interested, um, you know, you're talking to not just uh, younger generations that might be tuning into the show, but obviously parents uh, who may have uh, youngsters that, that are interested in, in what you have to offer. What's the process? What, uh, you know, wh- how does it start? Uh, is it a conversation that starts uh, by them reaching out to your organization? Uh, or do you guys pursue uh, by going into the education system and, and making this offer and saying, here's what we're looking for, here's how you can participate? Give us a sort of an overview of, of how, things, how, the, how the process starts. Yeah, I, it's it's a great question, and and I think everyone has their own story, and I think your involvement with the first tee is is incredible, and uh, Eric with your family kind of introducing you, um, and almost in some ways having that head start. Um, my experience was a little bit different. My my folks did not play golf. Um, I was athletic, but um, I was really not a golfer in eighth grade. But it was a friend of my mom's who um, uh, they were uh, her. My mom taught third grade for uh, uh, over 30 years, and it was a friend of hers that introduced me because she had older kids um, and told me about how great the caddy experience was for her children, they, and they were a little bit older. And um, so, you know, being athletic, I, I, I tried it out. I, uh, you know, But I was fortunate in the sense that I was two and a half miles from the club, right, and I fully realized that not all students or kids, boys and girls, have that opportunity, right? I mean, you do right. hear these stories about right. some can bike, um, I give so much credit to parents um, or family members that may have to drive many miles to drop them off. You think about that commitment. And then even beyond that, mm-hmm. you hear about some of these boys and girls that will take two buses and a train to get to the caddy yard. So it does, you, you are correct, it does, um, you do kind of rely on just the, the complete proximity for a club and one mm-hmm. that has a caddy program uh, to your home, right? Um so you do have to have that component. We, you know, we are coast to coast, right? You talk about some of these, uh, the major metro areas, um, by and large, have, you know, private clubs that have caddy programs. Um, we do have a caddy locator on our website. If you go to the Western Golf Association website, just to really help identify where a club may be in proximity to your home, um, mm-hmm. because we understand, um, you know, it could be a big time commitment for a parent who may be working how to get them to the club um, during those early hours. You know, again, a lot of our parents, um, a lot of our students, their parents are working. So that presents a challenge too. Um, So it's, it's not as easy as, Hey, you know, Hey, go caddy. You got to do a little work and some of it, you do rely on just the proximity to a club. 
Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, for starters, you could certainly check it out on our website. We have a nice uh, caddy locator, so you can literally punch in your address and then see what what club uh, may be um, close to your home. Um, the other thing, too, uh, Ted, that we've... Um, uh, we're very proud of is the Caddy Academy. It's 11 years old now, and, and we've literally brought uh, caddying to, to boys and girls across the country that don't have the access. Maybe they live uh, in a more remote area, and they just don't have access to a, a caddy program. And But we feel like it's an opportunity that we can reach out to areas of the country where they don't have access to the caddy experience. So we literally bring caddying to them by bringing them in to Chicago and couple of different markets throughout the country and they um it's a seven-week program uh, it's an overnight program and it's truly a caddy camp and um, we have counselors that will uh, bring them out to the clubs they caddy they work long days and then they come back uh, it's almost like a camp of sorts so this is 11 years strong for us but that's been our effort to really reach out to some of these boys and girls that don't have that opportunity simply because of the proximity to uh to the caddy programs um, so there's a there's a couple of ways you can do it, right? I mean, for some it's very easy, um, just you know you live close to a club. Others really have to um, uh, you know kind of overcome those transportation obstacles. Um, but you do hear of stories where you know caddies, you know you know jumping on their bike for five to ten miles and they make it happen. Uh, others mm-hmm. may have a uh, a closer um, uh, you know, maybe they live closer to the club. So we do, well, I do understand that. And I, I do, again, um, I think it is worth noting that the, uh, you know, oftentimes it's family members and parents that see the value of this, see the value of caddying, and the possibility of them having the scholarship is pretty appealing. Um, so getting them up early and, you know, maybe mom and dad driving them to the course early on. So it, it kind of uh, goes a couple different ways on how you may access the club. Right, and and obviously it's a benefit not just to the to the students. Obviously, I mean they're getting a, a good education, helping with that assistance. But obviously it's a benefit for the parents, especially in in today's uh, environment where um, you know economic challenges are, are a little uh, you know uh, more difficult for for a lot of folks out there, and especially some that that are, are struggling along the way. Um, this is a, certainly a great opportunity to. Uh, and, you know, allow their their youngster, um, you know, providing they're they're willing to to put the efforts in, uh, you know, to get a first rate education and and further themselves. Um, now, I'm assuming, do you guys go into the school system itself um, and talk about this? Like, uh, you know, as both of them mentioned, you know, this is something that took place in high school um, where they caddied for for several years. Not do you are you going into the high school? And I'm, Brian, this is for you, obviously. Um, going into the high school and uh, introducing them to uh, some of the opportunities, and then obviously conversations flow from there. Uh, how does it begin there? Yeah, you know, we always joke to some degree. Um, you know, once you're an Evans Scholar, you're an ambassador, right? You need to you need mm-hmm. to be a champion, and um, you, you know, a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, we do get into the schools. You're absolutely right. So, in fact, we even try to get into schools. Um, you know, seventh, eighth grade. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, certainly into the high schools. You know, we rely on um, our Evans Scholar alums to really spread the, spread the great word. We uh, we are so fortunate to have um, uh, our group of directors that, with mm-hmm. you know, they're they're truly the leaders at these clubs that are not only raising money for the Evans Scholars program and promoting the game of golf, but promoting caddying. We we truly think it's the best summer job for for boys and girls. And if you have that mm-hmm. opportunity. 
you know, I tell parents all the time, it's, it's, it's the best, right? You're outside, you're amongst, um, you're surrounded by great people, uh, other boys and girls that are willing to work hard. You learn how to get up, you know, not to mention the fresh air and the good money you make, but it's a, it's a wonderful <laughs> summer job. And, uh, you know, it's, um, but we do, we do, um, try to make, um, a lot of efforts with, you know, meeting uh, guidance counselors and principals and teachers. Um, and, you know, there, we've had some really wonderful partnerships with high schools because, you know, many of uh, their students become Evans Scholars and, and they know. And, and these are what schools want to do too. They want to promote great opportunities and scholarships for these, for the students in their high school. So um, it's truly a wonderful partnership. Um, you know, again, alums, our directors, our staff, um, we do what we can to really continue pushing um, catting. And with or without the scholarship, it's, it's the best summer job, right, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's safe. Mm-hmm. You're making great money. You learn about a wonderful game. And, and you're surrounded by great people, right? I mean, these are leaders of the community, um, you know, whether they're, you know, an attorney or a doctor or a, uh, an accountant. I mean, these are wonderful people that, um, truly, you have a new boss every day, and as a young person, having the opportunity to talk with someone in their industry for four hours, four to five hours, um, yep. uh, there's no better job. Yep. There's no better job for, uh, for um, you know, a high school uh, boy or girl. Yeah, and, and as Ann pointed out earlier, it really helped open a lot of doors that may otherwise not have been open for her, uh, and I'm sure the same for Eric. Um, you know, and, and again, you're you're doing, as you said, Brian, a, a great summer job, um, having the opportunity to make some some good money, and and um, and and obviously getting access to the golf course that again may otherwise not have been given uh, under normal circumstances. So, because uh, usually with the caddy programs, a lot of times they give you access to be able to play, and obviously you know uh, certain times and whatnot. But um, so it, it does open a lot of doors that way. Um, the final question I want to ask the two of you, Ann and, and Eric, and Ann, I'm going to go with, with you first, if you don't mind, uh, and that is if you were to um, talk to a younger you. In other words, if you were to go back in time uh, before any of this happened, but knowing what you know now, what would, you, what would the conversation be with that younger you? For my younger self, I would say to never give up. I think I doubted myself way too much, and I let it hurt my self-esteem with all the negative thoughts I've had. And mm-hmm. I think it's better that I accept failure because learning from my mistakes, I think I'd become a better and stronger person in that sense. And the overall process of overcoming obstacles is something that's very honorable in a sense. And, you know, I think being able to persevere, which is one of the first T9 core values, actually, um, that's something mm-hmm. that helped me in the long run, especially for medical school. Because one of my fears is, like, if I were to apply, I have this fear that I won't get accepted. However, like, with that mentality, I just feel like I will put my position myself in a position where I probably won't get accepted. And so I need to have more of a better mindset of like, oh, I'm going to make this application so I can get accepted the first time, or if it comes to any job opportunities or anything I'm striving for, like just have a better positive outlook on things. I I couldn't agree more. I think attitude is everything, and it sounds to me uh, going through this process of, of not only catting, but obviously being a part of the Evan Scholar 
program has given you the confidence and the reassurance and and even the, the tenacity a little bit too to be able to go and say you know what I can do this I can I can do whatever I set my mind uh, to and and this is again giving you that confidence to do that and, and Eric what about you if, if you were to again knowing what you know now what you've gone through obviously you, you had a little bit of a different uh, scenario than than what Ann did as you had some uh, folks in your family who had already gone through uh, the program and so forth and and we're familiar with it um, but what would you say to a younger you right now what what's your uh, words of wisdom, if you will, that you would, per, uh, you know, display to to a younger you, um, given what what you know now. Yeah, some uh, words of wisdom I'd have from my younger self. I think I'd start off with uh, I I'd tell myself how to uh, really go to the golf range and learn how to hit my driver well, because uh, that's <laughs> something that's been bothering me recently. Right. Uh, I'll I'll just decide though. <laughs> Um, I, I would tell myself to listen to others a little bit more. Sometimes I think I try to be a little bit hard-headed and uh, don't take advice well uh, at all times. And I think that I could do a little bit better at absorbing those uh, some information from older people who may know um, how to handle life a little better than I do. So I think that would be uh, number one thing I teach tell myself and then just to keep working hard kind of like what Ann said um, mm -hmm. obviously there's a lot of times when you really uh, kind of want to give up and you don't want to continue caddying or continue playing football or being the leader that uh, you worked so hard to become so I would say to uh, you know keep keep doing that and uh, it all it's always going to be worth it in the end so yeah well I can I can tell you both um, as somebody who's, uh, I can guarantee you, much older than the two of you, probably put together, um, you know, every generation as we get through, we look at the, the younger generation coming up and, you know, we wonder, you know, how things are going to transpire. And I can honestly say after speaking to the two of you, uh, you've more than restored my, my confidence in the younger generation coming up. And obviously you have uh, the Evans Scholarship Program and obviously uh, the help of the Western Golf Association to, uh, to thank for that. And congratulations to both of you on becoming uh, and being honored this year as the Evans Scholars of the Year, uh, obviously well-earned and well-deserved. And uh, you, you both are very, very impressive. Um, and, you know, I, I, I hope, as I'm sure you will uh, from listening to you, I hope that you will, as you move forward in whatever happens in your life, that you will pay it forward, that you will find some way, whether it's through discussions, conversations, or through your own, um, you know, willingness to, to continue to participate in, in a great organization like this uh, and also organizations like the First Tee and whatnot. Uh, golf is a game for life, as I think you both probably understand now, and there are so many things that can be done um, by utilizing access to this game. It can do so many things, open so many doors. And uh, both of you have done a, a great job uh, in, in getting that started uh, by doing what you've done through uh, the Evans uh, Scholar, uh, Scholarship Program. And Brian, that's a testament to you and, and the rest of the staff um, through the organization at what you're doing and really giving these uh, younger generation a, a real great opportunity to learn and to expand their minds, but also to really be introduced to something 
that is going to definitely um, benefit them down the road. So kudos to, to you and, and the rest of the staff at, uh, at the Western Golf Association and the Everett Scholars uh, Foundation as well. Uh, job well done, and I hope uh, and wish you much continued success with the program. And I hope you'll come back with future uh, honorees and, and other uh, guests from, from the organization and come back and, and share some, uh, uh, some thoughts as, as you continue to, on this journey as well for you. Thank you, all three of you, for joining me tonight. Oh, Ted, thanks so much for having us on. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, it's great to hear um, Eric and Ann's voice. And um, you made it a lot of fun, and, and uh, this has been really enjoyable. And um, thanks for everything that you do, too. Not a problem. And, and Brian, real quick, uh, for those tuning into the show, uh, where's the website? Where can they go to get more information if they want to uh, investigate for themselves? If they're a student, uh, maybe wanting to look into the program, or if they're a parent, maybe wanting to investigate uh, on their child's behalf, where can they go to get more information? Yeah, I would say the best thing to do is just uh, do it the old-fashioned way, right? Go to uh, just Google the old uh, Western Golf Association, Evans Scholars Foundation. We've got some terrific websites, uh, both about caddying, um, and um, you know, history of the Western Golf Association, but as it relates to caddying and the Evans Scholars Program, we've got a great website, uh, some FAQs. Um, so, no, it's it's all in there, and uh, I'd welcome anyone to go to uh, Western Golf Association, Evans Scholars Foundation. Our uh, website is www.wgaesf.org, as in Western Golf Association, Evans Scholars Foundation. So, um, yeah, you're better off just Googling uh, Western Golf Association and, and a lot of great, rich uh, information there, and uh, it'll help you out tremendously. Perfect. So do that. Go to the Western Golf Association website, and you'll learn more about that and the Evans Scholarship Foundation as well. Uh, Anne and, and Eric, thank you very much for, for joining me. Uh, much continued success in your futures. Uh, I hope that golf will continue to be a part of, uh, uh, of your future as well. I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great game. I've enjoyed it for many years as well. And Eric, just a piece of advice, don't sweat the driver so much. Uh, more strokes are lost in the short game. So focus on tighten up your short game, and uh, you'll beat all your buddies uh, on the golf course. But uh, thank you, Brian, Ann, and Eric, <laughs> for joining me. <laughs> yeah, as long as you can hit it fairly straight down the fairway, don't worry about distance. Uh, unless you're planning on uh, playing on the uh, PGA Tour or something, uh, just get out there and hit it straight, but focus on your short game. But uh, Brian, Ann, and, and Eric, thank you very much. It's truly been an honor to have you on, and much continued success all the way around, and I hope you come back and join me sometime. Will do. Thank thanks you, so much, Dad. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That was Brian Shell, Vice President of Education from the Western Golf Association, the Evans uh, Scholar Fan Foundation. And two of the honorees of the uh, Scholar uh, Foundation uh, this year is uh, uh, N. Uh, Dow Do from Kansas City and Eric Hanberg from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining me tonight on uh, Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure. And also a special thanks to the earlier uh, guests, uh, Sue Weger and Jamie Leno-Zimron, uh, for joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. Always uh, great and insightful information from the two of you. And I look forward to the next time as well. And thank you, all of the listeners. Uh, for some reason, if you're tuning in a little bit late in the program, you missed uh, some of the early parts of the show, if you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive and scroll down to the on-demand section, if you give it a few moments, uh, the show, of course, is live 
but you can visit the on-demand section after the show and hear the recorded version in its entirety. So if you missed it or you want to hear parts of it again, uh, you can certainly go to uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and you can check it out there. Uh, or you can listen to some of the previously aired shows as well in the on-demand section. But thank you, everybody, for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless everybody, and I'll see you next time right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.